Welcome to the Anchor Daily. We're reading through the Gospel of Mark and reflecting on Jesus, whose death and resurrection paid the penalty for our sins and achieved victory over death. Hatred, adoration, sacrifice, betrayal, abandonment. Sounds like the first 15 minutes of a Hallmark Channel movie, doesn't it? Well, it's actually the many themes we will see in our verses for today, found in Mark 14, verses 1 through 42. Hello, Anchor Daily family and friends. Mark Wasmiller here. Today, I'm joined by my wife, Beth, as we look at the events recorded by Mark. In verses 1 through 9, we find Jesus in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. The chief priests and scribes are scheming to find a way to kill Jesus. This is because he has become a direct threat to their way of life and control over the Jewish people and threatens their relationship with the powers of Rome. Into this scene enters a woman with an alabaster container filled with pure nard. Nard is an essential oil that has calming sedative properties. It's also anti-inflammatory, bactericidal, a deodorant, fungicidal, laxative, sedative, and tonic. It is known to be non-toxic, non-irritating, and non-sensitizing. Its fragrance will cling to what it's applied to for days afterward. Possessing these properties, it was highly valued. We are told that the estimated value of the container was one year's wages. This woman, in adoration of Jesus, breaks the alabaster jar and pours it over his head. This generates a response of indignation from many in the crowd that she is wasting the oil and the money by pouring it over Jesus. So let me pause right here, because as a guy, I often miss the subtleties of emotion that accompany and underlie the text and ask Beth to share on these verses. Honey? You know, Mark, as I was reading over this passage, I found myself asking, why? What prompted the woman to make this extravagant, and yet beautiful gesture. When you think about it, it's not practical or logical. And then she was publicly embarrassed and shamed by others in the room. I like to imagine that she was led by God. She was obedient to follow this unusual request, and she was focused. She was focused on Jesus. She kept her eyes on him, anointing Jesus. And Jesus acknowledges and honors her for her obedience. She doesn't listen to the voices. She listens to Jesus. It's just a beautiful moment. And now we come to verses 12 through 16, where we hear the disciples ask Jesus where he wants them to make preparations for the upcoming Passover meal. In true Jesus' fashion, he gives them somewhat abstract directions. Go into the city, find a man carrying a pitcher of water, follow him. The house where he enters, ask the owner where his guest room is so that they may hold their Passover meal there. So, Mark, do you ever wonder what your reaction would be if Jesus asked you to just meander on into town and ask some random stranger, hey, we need to borrow your home tonight? Yeah, in my mind's eye, I I see the disciples looking at Jesus with that kind of puppy dog head cocked to the side look. (laughs) I guess by now they were used to the unexpected. I see a similarity in the prior story of, we'll call her Miss Alabaster. They were asked to do something unusual, 
And when they did, Scripture tells us they found it just as he told them. The similarity? Those two disciples were also obedient. They kept their eyes on Jesus. So now we move to Mark's account of the Last Supper. Its details are not as encompassing as we find in the other gospel accounts. Recall that Mark's gospel focuses on Jesus as the suffering servant. Yet Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet is curiously omitted, and the announcement by Jesus to the twelve that one of them will betray him is of primary focus here. This announcement catches them off guard as they ask among themselves who it could be. Jesus informs them that it would be the disciple with whom he dips bread. So Jesus is reclining next to his betrayer. We're also told that Jesus informs Peter that he and the remaining disciples would all abandon him in his greatest time of need. Such heavy news of betrayal and abandonment by those closest to him. Hmm. You know, when I read this passage, I admit, as with a lot of passages in Scripture, that my first thought is, well, I wouldn't abandon Jesus. But, you know, really, that is such an arrogant thought, even though I know what will happen with the disciples. So at this point, Judas has left the upper room. Jesus, and now the eleven, head to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asks them to wait and pray, and he then takes Peter, James, and John further into the garden with him and asks them also to wait and to pray, as he himself goes deeper into the garden to pray. We cannot begin to imagine the depth of agony that Jesus experienced in Gethsemane. He knew that he was about to be betrayed and handed over to evil men, both Roman and Jewish. He knew that all of his disciples would soon abandon him regardless of their insistence that they would die with and for him. He asked for his disciples to pray in this hour of need, and yet they fall asleep. Three times Jesus asked Abba, his father, if it were possible to remove the bitter cup he was about to drink, for he knew that all things are possible with God, and yet The thundering silence that pounded from a seemingly shut and brassy heaven revealed that there was no other way whereby lost mankind could be saved. And so Christ was enabled to pray, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So the cup that Jesus desired to be removed, as I understand from well-respected commentators, is not the scourging and the crucifixion, but rather Jesus' request has to do with that moment in time while on the cross that the weight of the sins of the world would be laid upon him, the moment that he himself becomes sin for all mankind, and that the full weight of the sinfulness of humanity is borne by him and him alone. At that moment, because God is holy and just, he cannot be present with sin. So both God the Father and God the Holy Spirit must turn away from God the Son. It is Jesus' anticipation of this moment where he will be all alone, separated from both mankind and from God, utter lonesomeness that no one before him or after him has ever experienced or ever will experience. Wow. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that about Jesus' knowledge of the impending weight of sin 
that would fall on him and cause that separation from the Father and the Spirit. I really don't think as humans we can even comprehend the emotion or thoughts that Jesus was experiencing. And then I wonder, what about the experience of God the Father and God the Spirit? If I think back over today's daily reading, I'm struck by the common theme, obedience. The woman with the alabaster jar was obedient to God's prompting to anoint Jesus, and she was blessed. The two disciples that obeyed Jesus's request to go get the upper room ready for Passover, they found everything just as Jesus said they would, and their faith grew. And Jesus, he is the ultimate example of obedience to the Father, offering us the gift of salvation. Hebrews 5.9 reads, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to check out more podcasts just like this, you can go to Bethel.ch and you'll find amazing selections of podcasts and much more. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us with podcasts at Bethel.ch. See you next time.